Good evening. So just to set the stage a little bit, I'd like to just frame it out just a little bit. A um, couple of objectives for the discussion to discuss how a family can make a great impact in the current world, how talking to strangers can be a great witnessing tool, and even to cause them to have hope in this fallen world and maybe even to help some to start believing maybe in themselves and maybe in God. To talk about practical giving that can be done in an enjoyable way, even for homeowners that don't have their own business. To encourage helping in projects and helping others as part of tithing our time. <clears throat> so my part of the discussion had to do with the middle-aged father with teenagers, and so that's going to be some of the perspective that you're going to hear. Um, just because I talk about a large family doesn't say I'm folding anybody that doesn't have any or that couldn't have any or that's still single. Lavelle said it very rightly when he said that whether you're single or married is not a caliber of your spirituality, all this kind of thing. However, I think that in my stage of life where I am with our family of nine, <coughs> unless you count the one that wasn't born, that's 10, um, I think me denying that or not doing what God has called me to do would actually be a problem, even a spiritual one maybe. So I think it's important that we do and flourish where we are. So one little note, in Genesis 27, 20, 1, 27 and 28, the Bible says God created man in his image and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. Another little note, remember how Lowell mentioned last evening that children take on the likeness and image of their parents, including habits and sometimes, oh, he's acting like his dad. All right. Um, so, so one of the things that's fascinating is God's really big into creating. Do you ever notice that? And when God is into creating, he's really into multiplying. Uh, and I think that goes way beyond the current subject. Well, the subject's not about having children, although I think that's part of it. But when God does things like seed for wheat, for instance, um, if whole of Kansas would take all the whole of its wheat, there wouldn't be enough ground to sow it in, probably, okay, if you just dumped it. Um, you can take a lot of reproductive organisms, and God just goes way overboard, it seems like. He's pretty jealous of that. Um, so in today's world, where a lot of couples don't even get married anymore, and those who do marry, 50% by the year eight or so, are divorced, considering that the average family size, according to theory, uh, is 3.24 people. Now just remember, that's 1.24 children, okay? So this is kind of setting the stage. I believe that a large functioning family as God designed it with one man and one woman, can be one of the greatest testimonies or the biggest silent evangelistic tool that we as plain families and those supporting them have to offer in our fallen world. This, of course, includes a long-term marriage, active, but yes, I did say active. They are active when they're young, right? Um, but disciplined children home that while modest and simple is inviting and welcoming to strangers and friends. Consider witness, consider the witnesses as to the neighbors. So let's just say you're having a Sunday afternoon, something or another in at Chris Sols, who is in the middle of, of Lancaster. Now just remember, they just had a real serious riot right outside their door this past winter or whenever it was. 
Let's just remember that those folks who do not expect Chris and his guests to be drinking or high on drugs, although many of them would be quite familiar with that. So consider the evangelistic tool that it is when those neighbors see Chris's friends and their families having a quite enjoyable time. Um, there's something that a large, um, this is something that a large part of the world around us thinks is no longer attainable or even possible. For example, this is reflecting on my work maybe a little bit, but I had salesmen who would come into my office at a picture yeah, by so of our family of nine children and our, my wife and myself. And they would say, <gasps> and say, who knows what. And you let them cool down a little bit. Maybe even adding at some points, not always, that, oh, they're such a blessing. Many times, if you let it cool off a little bit, every once in a while, someone say, wow, is that all with one wife? Okay, quit the jokes. Um, then they'll say, that looks like a lot of fun. And it is. There's many of them have no idea that that's even possible. Some of them don't even have any relatives or people that they know closely in their family particularly and in their worldview that have attained any of that kind of thing. When you mention that you're married for 30 years, many of them simply can't wrap their mind about how that's possible. And of course, for many of the world, it isn't possible. Um, one little backdrop that I kind of enjoy thinking about every once in a while, though it's quite sobering, um, just to consider, there's not a lot of teenagers, teenagers in here, it seems, but maybe some of them will be listening in uh, later. I forgot to say, hola, Bati and Samuel. I don't know if they're listening, but maybe they are. Um, they can listen to it later. Um, if they are, I'm happy to have them listen, and others too, for that matter. So my grandfather, Gideon B. Stolzfus, was born in 1920. And probably about 1922, his dad started calling him Pud, which stuck in all his generation after him, or kind of labeled as such. He married Mary Z. Stolzfus, which is Eli's um, aunt. Eli Stolzfus' aunt, wherever he is. When he died on February of 2010, 90 years later, he had five sons, nine daughters, 119 grandchildren. Now remember, this was in 2010, so these numbers have grown. 243 great-grandchildren. So if you do the math, that's quite a lot of people. But one day, it was one husband and one wife sitting in one table with a whole set of decisions to make. Okay, Those decisions profoundly impacted not only the little neighborhood and the little church and, and um, his siblings and things like that, but a whole posterity of people. Okay. Uh, my grandfather, as many remember, was very hospital, hospitable and very social, and many people remembered him particularly because of how he made them feel. He loved people. He loved socializing with people, but he gave them value in, in themselves and others. This was, of course, especially true with his children and grandchildren and their spouses. Linda, I'm sure, can attest to this. He was always proud of his grandchildren and would welcome them with open arms, bring them in. Gideon probably still has quarters of his grandpa, um, great-grandpa, that, oh, your name's Gideon, you know. Um, so, so life with teens. Well, I'm shifting a little bit uh, in this teenage part of it. Well, I know that in the world, 
Uh, some roll their eyes at teens. They say, oh my goodness. Well, even some teenagers don't think they count yet on a scale of making a difference. They think they're too young to make any kind of shift in the world. Well, the Bible is true. We all know that. So what does the Bible say? Okay, okay, I understand that in the Bible there are some teens that didn't turn out so great. But um, the teenage years can be a part of our lives that are pretty exciting because it's a time to repair these teenagers because you understand that very soon you're going to shoot them out. And another one over there and over there and over there, okay? Um, that's true to God's word about a father having a bless, being blessed with a quiver of arrows. We do not intend to have our children like, what's that going to help, really? It's going to crowd your house, for one. And when they all get to be 16 and 18 and 20 and romping around, as they should when they're growing, uh, you get to a point where you're kind of glad when they influence some other part of the world as well. Um, so... So teenagers is an exciting time. It can be a challenging time, I understand that. But they're about ready to shoot out into the world. And yes, they will influence wherever they land. Okay? Teens, he was a teen. She's Joseph. After having away from anybody, people. What? I might have been a teenager. Their hair wasn't singed. And King Nebuchadnezzar didn't even smell smoke. And rather than just denying it, and maybe looking the other way, what did he do? He commanded everyone in the entire Babylonian or local world to give homage to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to not even speak an ill word, Ill word against him or be put to death. So in this case, even the king gave honor and glory to this God unknown to him as he was. Okay? Is that influence? That's influence. It's quite different than the news we read today, unfortunately. Maybe we need to switch what we read. So let's agree that a family that includes teens, while not being the only way to be a real blessing, can be quite a blessing. And teens can and do make quite a difference. And the decisions they make can be quite a difference as well. Uh, brother, uh, would you say that these teens that you cited were prepared for the crisis moment and then become that way because of the crisis. Their, their upbringing, their teaching, as they came up through the childhood years and the teenage, prepared them. Well, we would speculate that that's an agreeable way of saying it. Having said that, what about this spoiled brat by his brothers that had this coat of many colors and was very singled out by his dad, maybe even resenting it, by the way, um, I don't know that that was a good preparation, but he did the right, next right thing. I'm not saying it wasn't a good um, decision either, but I am saying that teenagers have the ability to, to, to choose. And yes, you're right, they were still, but I don't think they were beachy and everybody else was sod and all this kind of thing, okay? I think they had a very normal life in a, in a very normal, maybe not so normal time. Yeah, that's that's true. So you're saying we, yeah, we we kind of capitalize on what we've been taught. I can see how they turned out like that for the way they were taught. Well, it's not dependent so much on what they're taught, but what teenagers then and we too, what we embrace 
from that which we're taught. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. All right. So, working in the church. So let's contrast for. Uh, let's talk a little bit, for contrasting sake, about some things that turn people away. If you have a salesman, and I'm just going to say, if you have a Christian, that's grumpy, and he's greedy, and he's non-social. Um, and just kind of a jerk. We don't buy from him. We won't want him at home alone with our, to knock on the door when our wives are at home alone. We won't. It's, it's over, okay? Um, just a little side note. Lowell alluded to this last night. The prisons are filled with inmates that don't come from a functioning family, okay? Some of them had functioning families. But there's a far larger percentage that really technically had no family at all. Some of them, their living environment which was actually pretty bad. <clears throat> so what I'm trying to say is if we want others to, to want what we have, we need to live in a way that makes those around us, and this does include, in my case, the 250 other associates that work at Superior Plastics, and you're wherever you work, your customers, the people you rub shoulders with, the people you interact with, particularly those you do business with. Um, we need to live in a way that makes those around us want to live out and find out what is the secret to this man's success and how can someone have joy like that despite the circumstances in many cases. For many, the world is, just doesn't start by accepting Christ, okay? First, they need to see Christ lived out. And if we don't do it, who will? Um, I'm going to jump into a couple little stories here. Hopefully, it doesn't take too long. Uh, I grew up with a, very, with a very social father, but with a great entertainer, as well as loving to visit old people. He would listen to them and would relate with them something that they knew and how they loved they loved how included they felt when he was around, and he had an ability to make people feel special by relating with something about them first. It's really not that hard. Linda knows this. My children know this. Some of them hardly know my dad, and they even know it then. But he would meet people. You could be in a train station in New York. You could be on the streets of who knows where, Jersey or Lancaster or anywhere else, and my dad would go, hey, where do you guys come from? Oh, well, we're from Jersey. Oh, okay, you're close to the bridge. Oh, we're about a half an hour. Oh, okay. And bingo, they'd be like, wow, this guy, huh. And they'd be like, whew, that's mine. And they, what's your name again? Oh, Sam. Oh, yeah, wow. Hey, I met that Amish guy, Sam. And it, it just, he has hundreds of people around the world, including Europe now, that absolutely distinctly remember this Amish guy, Sam. And for just reason. Um, so I'm saying it's really not that hard. In fact, sometimes it's easier to relate to someone you never, never knew because you can start fresh. You don't have to remember their birthday, where they came from, what they did last week, or if they're quoting or not, or whatever it is. You can just start fresh. Um, one of the early memories that I have was my dad visiting um, Amos Yusacer. Some of you know who that means, who that is. Um, I can't do the French, I'll think. And my dad would take this chair, or a chair, and Amos Yusacer would be on our shuffle stool, and he would stand right here, 
and he would talk as if the neighbors outside on the road would need to hear it because he knew that she could not hear. Well, Babish do! And he would say, Bin Slomis Sam's er Sam. Slomis Sam's gets her Sam. Oh! And then it would conjure up good memories of how they related to my dad's parents at Bingo. It, from there, it really didn't matter that much. Amos Yusasser started telling stories and she felt accomplished. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, we'd go visit Aunt Salida. My dad loved to visit old people, and that influenced us children very greatly. Um, I'm still proud of that. <clears throat> uh, we found out right away, and I was always coming. I was meant because it had them thinking about the vibrancy of youth days with their families. And I think visiting families can have quite a testimony. It's not exclusive to that, of course. Just visiting people can be a big deal. Um, See, relationships are everything sometimes, just like Lowell was telling about a couple of his neighbors. Uh, just to jump in cold turkey from Pennsylvania, me diving into their house and telling them I'm going to visit them in the hospital and really have an experience, not going to happen. Well, not generally. Um, sometimes old people need encouragement. <clears throat> There's another story, and I'm talking about relationships, and I'm talking about how you can make a difference wherever you are. There's this one day, we were touring Washington and after going through the Capitol and the White House and a bunch of other stuff, we were walking out of the Arlington, out of the Arlington Cemetery. Now, some of you have walked with my dad and you know that, maybe not so much now, I don't know him very well now, but he used to have a, quite a fast step. And so he was with all these other daughters and they were like 200 feet behind and he was up ahead a little bit and he'd come to the little house where um, the security guard usually is. And um, there's this carpenter up on the roof. Well, my dad was a carpenter for, eight, for years and years, and so he had an interest in this. And don't you know, it puts Sam, he hauls right up the ladder, and hi there. <laughs> and he, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? And he's like, oh, I'm putting shakes on the roof. Yeah, yeah, I did that too. Blah, 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 blah. Bingo, this guy knew put Sam. And, but that guy never was the same after that, okay? I'm just saying that you can make a difference in somebody else's life. It's not hard. It does take effort. Okay. Maybe that's enough of that. But I enjoy it. That's for sure. I'm still proud of him for that. And that one story, some of his neighbors thought he was absolutely ridiculous. And I'm, that's okay. Some of them were. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say, I think one way we can work in the body of Christ is to encourage those in the world to have them look at Christians as something attractive, something that they just want to find out the secret of. What is this little key that this guy has that I just can't seem to get a hold of because I can't seem to be doing that. Um, I'm going to have to skip a couple of stuff. Talking about how we can be involved. I'm going to jump into some other stuff. Um, Jump into the latter part of, um, if you want to read it, Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. But what I really wanted was, let us cease and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised 
is reliable and trustworthy. I'm reading out of, I think, the Amplified, so it's probably not going to be the same in the NIV. I did it to broaden it out. And the key part is, let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another, another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction. This was what does being a part of the church mean to you. Um, not forsaking our meeting together as believers or for worship and instruction, as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another. Um, how many of you know what a coal stove is? The old coal stove. Oh, wow, most of you. Okay. And those who don't might, maybe Dottie had one or something, who knows. <clears throat> well, if you look at a coal stove, and of course when it's 10 below outside or even if it's 32 outside, a coal stove is a pretty nice sight when it has a nice bed of red coal, okay? It's all nice and cozy. Now let's think a little bit, and this is in the context of the church, okay? Church is a body of believers that work and function together. What happens when you take one of the nicest, rosiest coals, not near burnt yet, but just nicely burning, and you take it away, and you can put it on a piece of insulation. I don't have to put it on a cold concrete floor, okay? What happens? Boop. It just quits. It goes out. Bingo. It can be, like I said, the hottest one. I think it's similar. I don't think God... I'm going to watch how I say this because God has grace for a lot of things. But I think, I don't know that God wants us to live independently is what I'm trying to say. We need each other to stay hot in that sense. Um, what does being part of the church mean to me? Um, being, I'm also going to include Faith High School in Weavertown in this category because I think the life of a child is learned by their whole experience. It is our duty as dads, in my opinion, to make sure that, they ex that the experience is good for them long term. That their life experience, okay? And what that can mean is that I make sure that they go and are influenced by um, good Bible teachers, good examples of good teachers, good examples of what I choose for them as authority figures, to take them to and to validate. <clears throat> um, what things that you see other people, I'm gonna jump subjects a little bit. What things that you see people doing challenges you in being tools for Christ to build his church? A couple of things that challenge me. One of the things that challenged me already, particularly considering the amount of success that they've had, is John P and Ann, in how you invite tourists to your house and yes, you feed them, and I'm sure it's good too, but you do it with a purpose. You take them home and you present the gospel to them, and, and they know you're serious. And, and you've won many by doing that. It's also things that challenge me like Wilmer Stolzfus and how when he worked at Superior, he cared for and prayed and even mentioned the church, um, some that he was concerned about. Um, but he didn't like Lord of the Earth. He, he had a very proper way of doing that. I think that suffices it. Another thing that's challenged me over the years when I was thinking this through um, was Ben Glick and Calvin and the Bible study. You guys remember this. On the second Sunday after we were at Weaver Town, they took us to Boulder Ridge to their Bible study. 
And that, there's Ken's. Yep, that was a great, great, great time. I could tell you a lot after, yeah, that was related to that. God had his way that day. There's another little thing, and I'm it's challenge to help him. He gave my boxes. Let's let's can sell stuff like unbelievable. And suffice it to say, that was years before he got to claim our daughter as part of his family. Um, another important part that I wanted to cover, I'm just going to skip a whole bunch of stuff. But Matthew talked about giving a little bit, and it sparked a little bit in me because I've, my wife and I have started something we really appreciate that I think is something that's doable for most people. I'm by no means saying people need to do it, but it's been an encouragement for us. Um, tithing time is something Dave Solskjaer has talked about. That's not my primary subject, but I want to just remind you of that. Uh, how Dave's been talking about tithing our time. So 10% of our time in a year is actually quite a lot of time. I would venture to say, though, that probably... A good bit of us actually spend more time watching sports than we do tithing our time. In all reality, how many frolics have we gone to? How many people have we went to? How many meals have we made? I'm talking in terms of time. As I mentioned, um, one way to tithe time is to do projects to time. I was going to mention how different things that have benefited us working together at Faith and other things. Doing projects together like making stuff for our neighbors, making meals, for young mothers and things like that. Uh, another thing, this is in relation to giving, that's been really fun for Lynn and I is to have our very own uh, gift checking account. In times past, see I work for someone else, I don't have a business that generates millions of dollars and that's okay. So you tend to think, well, okay, so you just kind of throw your gift, your offering, or I mean your tithe into the offering and kind of let it go away. But somehow somebody prompted me to start a separate checking account at Fulton, it doesn't cost anything. Um, it might not work for everybody, but, well, another little question in relation to this. Most of us, a lot of us, get our checks, our paychecks, um, where they're automatically deposited, okay? So one of the things that works for us is to just give a certain number and tell HR to send a certain amount to this account, a certain amount to that account. What's fun about that is, all of a sudden, your gift account just starts growing, and it's just a lot of fun. It's also an accountable way to get it done, of course. Um, <clears throat> but what I'm trying to say is that even with a small amount, you can justify setting up that account. Um, where am I going here? It's really liberating because when that's done, you can see how much is there and you can start budgeting for things that you care about. Maybe it's school. Um, one of the little paraphrases I was going to say, I didn't see Jordan's chair. Is Jordan here? Jordan's chair in school. I have no idea if he has a new chair, okay? So I'll just use that as an example. But let's just suppose that you had some kind of a gift budget of some sort and you like Jordan because he maybe is teaching your children and you're like, oh, that chair is just awful. Well, you can actually do something about that, and you can take great joy in doing that, too. You just budget from your gift account, and eventually you buy the chair, and nobody needs to know. It's okay if Jordan knows. He doesn't have to. I'm just saying that as an example of something that's really been a pleasure to us 
to have a gift account where, and, and if you give a certain amount in some offering, you just transfer it on your phone. Okay, maybe that's a little much for some of you, but there's a way that you can take the account money from one account to the other. It's just an encouragement. Um, if you need more information on that, let me know. It's not a push for any bank accounts or banks for that matter. It's just something that's really great. All right, I think I'm almost wrapped up. Um, what is your vision for the church as you work? One other plug that I'm pretty passionate about, you'll hear more about this maybe some other time, but uh, I think that we need to think about pro-life, okay? We hear a lot about abortion and the lack of a real appreciation for life, old people and babies or premature um, babies before they're born. So I think we need to talk or think about what is pro-life or pro-God's plan of creation in terms what I'm talking about primarily in this sense is in terms of supporting life. And what does that look like? Well, one of the ways that it looks like is for us in supporting young mothers particularly, okay? Whether the children are born or unborn, young mothers have a lot of stress, but it's so invigorating to see new life. So, so, so invigorating. Um, so supporting young families with babies and children before they have children old enough to help with the workload. And it may mean a note or a phone call, but sometimes it may also mean to help a struggling mother by showing up and washing the dishes. Um, so that's a little encouragement there. Um, the Deuteronomy, it says, uh, I was going to talk about teaching your children when you're working with them, but I'm running out of time. Um, little note here, I believe that a really great way to teach our children what we know is to have them help us with projects. This can be mom in the kitchen as she bakes, cooks, washes, etc. It can also be working with dad as he fixes or fixes the car, changes the tire, puts the wash line back on track without being frustrated. And many other projects around the home, including getting ready to host friends or strangers. So who of you remembers when you learned, pick anything. You might remember certain things, but you don't know when you learned, did you learn to drive the car the first day you drove or the second day? Or the, you don't know. But it's by working together that we learn a lot of things. Um, another way is to take them along as they help in the community or volunteer them, them to help with community projects. That can have interesting results, by the way. Sometimes they don't like that so much, but other times when they come home, they like it a lot. By the way, when you learn, when you learn to cook, bake, fix the car, by the way, when you learn to cook, to bake, to fix the car, to impress your honey bunchkin by washing her dishes, it probably wasn't from just one time and then it was done. So it, it's a process. Um, I'm going to have to wrap it up. So one of the little par parting notes, be willing to be involved. Remember that children watch and often are most influenced by what we support and particularly what we sacrifice for. Um, I think I'm going to pray and then close. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you.
for how you've created us, for how you've brought us to this place, we understand that it's kind of a miracle. When we consider the many different ways from which we come, the many, thing, many different things that... Um, well, it's pretty unfathomable when we realize that laws came from Kansas and, yeah, just so many different ways in which how impossible it would seem if we were to look back a hundred years and decide we're going to assemble this evening as it is. Father, we ask that you would continue to guide us and to direct us and those that we are in care of as we go forward. We ask, Lord, that you would bless them with wisdom and bless them with understanding, bless them with a spirit of joy and peace. We pray, Lord, that there would be a positive influence in the neighborhoods around them, whether that's local or whether that's far away, wherever the arrows were to be shot. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to guide us and direct us, and we pray for safety as we travel home. Help us, Lord, to be in full unity with each other and to help to prosper you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.